I don't know if y'all know this, um, but, but I, I'm, I'm a bit of a dancer. I'm, I'm not, I thought this was Pastor Appreciation Day. I, I, I'm not trying to be, well, I'm not trying to be vain. It's not working if I were, but, but I do have moves. It's a fact. It's, it's undeniable. You see, whenever a difficult conversation comes up, no one dances around the issue better than me. I, I'm the Fred Astaire of obfuscation. Right, I, I, I can do that. But I think that's why last script, week's scripture, um, it hit me so hard. Because I, I'd rather dance around the issue of money and, and how much I store up and how much I give away. Like, like good Christians have been doing for 2,000 years, by the way. I'd rather avoid the issue than confront Jesus' words full on. Do you see how I just danced around the issue of dancing in front of you? <laughs> But that's exactly um, what we're doing in our current sermon series, is confronting Jesus' words full on. And our sermon series is different because Jesus' words call us to be different. As Christians, we're called to do the hard stuff, the awkward stuff, the difficult and the different stuff. We are called to change. And we all know that change is what? Hard. Change is hard. Today's reading from Mark is no different. Jesus calls his disciples to rethink their definition of a successful leader. You see, James and John, the Zebedee brothers, they're concerned about who gets the best seat in the house when Jesus leads them all into glory. And to put it lightly, things get awkward. In fact, things get so awkward that the other Gospels dance around this moment in the life of Jesus and the disciples. John doesn't even mention it. Fancy that. Luke gives it a gloss. He sa- all he says is that the disciples were arguing about who's the greatest. And Matthew blames it on the Zebedee brother's mom, right? Like, when in doubt, just blame it on the mom. She did it. But Mark doesn't pull any punches. Right after Jesus tells the disciples that he's going to suffer and die for them, James and John ask their awkward question. It's Mark chapter 10, 34 through 35. Like literally, Jesus' words are hanging in the air. They will mock me, they will spit on me, flog me, and kill me. And then this happens. James and John. The sons of Zebedee came forward to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Like flogging and dying wasn't enough. We want you to do whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it that you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand, at one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they replied, we are able. And then Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard this, 
they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to what? Serve. And to give his life a ransom for many. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you today eager to relearn what it means to be yours, to relearn what it truly means to lead others. And so speak to us, each of us. You know our hearts, Lord. Give us the words we need to hear. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So I want to ask you a question. How many of you consider yourselves, whether it's work or at home or somewhere, to be a, a leader? You're all very humble leaders, but I appreciate that. Is anyone here the kind of person that just naturally steps up to lead when you're in a group of people? Like the, the dreaded group project in school? Who was the one that actually made sure it got done in school, right? Thank you. I needed you. Or how about your job requires you to be a leader? I saw some teachers raise their hand, of course, right? Like you have to lead our young people. Thank you. How many of you would say, I am not a leader? Not one inch of my body says leadership. Like the only place I'm leading people is astray. <laughs> well, I'll let you in on a little secret. By virtue of the fact that you are here today, by the virtue of the fact that you have said yes to Jesus, you have accepted the call to lead people to Christ. That, that's what Christians do. It's in our job description. As a Christian, our job description includes leading people to Christ. So that makes all of you what? A leader. And there are a lot of different examples of leaders and leadership styles. Like, who, who knows this guy? Churchill, right? Winston Churchill, yeah. How, how about this young lady? Right here? Malala? Malala Yousafzai, yeah. And, and this not-so-young lady, but anybody know? Yeah, Angela Merkel, right? She has a, yeah, yeah, yeah. From this, she's at the end of her leadership uh, life cycle. And then finally, bonus points for this guy. <laughs> Caesar, yeah, yeah, Julius Caesar, that's Caesar. Um, all four of these people are leaders, and all four have different styles of leading. By the way, Julius Caesar, he died about 100 years before the Gospel of Mark was written, but his leadership still loomed large over the people of Galilee and over the disciples. And if I were to ask you maybe which one of these four leaders Jesus is calling us to resemble the most, who would you choose? I imagine... Churchill? Yeah, see, I think the, the, the people, Malala, yeah, yeah. I think who we choose maybe says a lot about who we are, 
and, and, and how we see Jesus. Some of you might have said, well, which Jesus? You know, is it the Jesus that cast out a legion of demons? That feels very Churchill to me. Is it the Jesus that turned over the tables in the temple? Maybe, maybe that's Caesar or Angela Merkel. She is a strong leader. Or are you asking about the leader that wept, the Jesus that wept at Lazarus' tomb? Or maybe you're asking about this Jesus. But what if I were to say to you that the Jesus we encounter in our scripture today with James and John and the other 12 would probably encourage you to lead like this guy. This is the dancing guy. You want to know the dancing guy? He, he was internet famous for like a hot minute back in uh, 2009. <laughs> so it's been a while. And so in case you don't remember, the, I've got, I've got a, a short video on leadership um, featuring the dancing guy. H his name is Colin Winter from up in Canada. And um, this particular video, he's dancing at the Sasquatch Music Festival. Y'all been there, right? Sasquatch Music? No. All right. Um, and actually, Derek Sivers is giving a lecture on leadership. It was from a 2010 TED Talk. So let's go ahead and watch, see if we remember this guy. If you've learned a lot about leadership and making a movement, then let's watch a movement happen start to finish in under three minutes and dissect some lessons. First, of course, a leader needs the guts to stand alone and look ridiculous. But what he's doing is so simple, it's almost instructional. This is key. You must be easy to follow. Now here comes the first follower with a crucial role. He publicly shows everyone else how to follow. Notice how the leader embraces him as an equal. So it's not about the leader anymore. It's about them, plural. Notice how he's calling to his friends to join in. See, it takes guts to be a first follower. You stand out and you brave ridicule yourself. Being a first follower is an underappreciated form of leadership. The first follower transforms a lone nut into a leader. If the leader is the flint, the first follower is the spark that really makes the fire. Now here's the second follower. This is a turning point. It's proof the first has done well. Now it's not a lone nut and it's not two nuts. Three is a crowd and a crowd is news. A movement must be public. Make sure outsiders see more than just the leader. Everyone needs to see the followers because new followers emulate followers, not the leader. Now here come two more people, then three more immediately. Now we've got momentum. This is the tipping point and now we have a movement. As more people jump in, it's no longer risky. If they were on the fence before, there's no reason not to join in now. They won't stand out, they won't be ridiculed, and they will be part of the in-crowd if they hurry. And over the next minute, you'll see the rest who prefer to stay part of the crowd, because eventually they'd be ridiculed for not joining. And ladies and gentlemen, that is how a movement is made. So let's recap what we've learned. If you are a version of the shirtless dancing guy, all alone, remember the importance of nurturing your first few followers as equals, making everything clearly about the movement, not you. Be public, be easy to follow. But the biggest lesson here, did you catch it? Leadership is overglorified. Yes, it started with the shirtless guy and he'll get all the credit, but you saw what really happened. It was the first follower that transformed a lone nut into a leader. There's no movement without the first follower. See, we're told that we all need to be leaders, but that would be really ineffective. 
The best way to make a movement, if you really care, is to courageously follow and show others how to follow. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's why I didn't dance. <laughs> I, man, I, I've been watching that for 10 years now, and it still, whenever I have a bad day, I just put that on. <laughs> and it still makes me smile. I mean, for real, though, how many of us would have joined Colin Winter's dance party? A few of us. We got some nuts in here. That's all right. I don't, I don't know I would, if I would have, at least not in the beginning. I mean, that is how I probably look when I dance, which is why I only dance alone. But <laughs> here's the point. I'm sure Jesus, to the people around him, probably looked more like Colin Winter dancing crazy at the Sasquatch Music Festival than he did Winston Churchill inspiring generations in a suit in Parliament. Like Colin Winter... Jesus asks us to do things that don't make sense. They make us stand out. They make us look foolish. They make us look, here's the word, different. Who wants to give away everything they own? Who wants to lose their life to gain it? That's crazy talk. That's crazy dancing. And that, that's exactly what Jesus calls us to do. And it's different. And it's hard. You know, remember, right after Jesus says, I'm going to suffer and die for everyone, and I'm going to be raised again, right after their leader, right after the person they've been following says he's going to lead them right up to the cross of crucifixion, what do James and John ask? Hi, right, Jesus, we, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Like, what? Dying for you is not enough. You want more. And, and you're asking like a kid, right? How many have the kid that's asked them, hey, mom, hey, dad, uh, will you say yes to the next thing I ask? <laughs> like, <laughs> they think that's going to work. We know the trick, though. You ask, well, what is it before you give them a yes or a no? And so does Jesus. What do you want me to do? Let us sit at your right and your left in your glory, they respond. Jesus just told them the kind of leader that he is, but it's too different. The dance is too strange. And so they try to flip it back around. They want to they, they, they dance right around Jesus and go straight to Caesar, right? <laughs> no, you're going to be a leader like Caesar, right? And we're going to be right. And that, that's your glory, Jesus, right? That's what we know. That's what makes sense to us. That's familiar. And we're going to be at your right and left, right? But when, what is Jesus describing? Where is Jesus leading him? Who's going to be at Jesus' right and left when he's in his glory? Two criminals. That's the kind of leader Jesus is. That's different. Jesus' style of leadership is different. It demands suffering, not exaltation. It demands sacrifice. Jesus' style of leadership demands that we serve others, not that we be served. Not to seek earthly glory and riches and recognition and power. Jesus' style of leadership requires us to dance a dance I'm not sure many of us 
would be willing to choose. How many of us would have been the first one up on Sasquatch Hill, following Colin's lead and, and, and dancing Colin's dance? I'm not sure many of us would have been the first one. It's too different, right? <laughs> too weird, too dangerous. I mean, think about it. The disciples were down with Jesus' dance in the beginning. I mean, it was a dance party with Jesus. Like, literally, his first miracle was turning water into wine at a wedding party. I'd follow that guy, and I'd bring a wine glass, <laughs> right? Then he cast out some demons. He healed some people, and he even fed, like, my entire hometown. I'll dance that dance any day. But would you dance all the way to the cross? The disciples didn't. It was too different from their view of what a leader should be, should do. So, speaking of dancing, I want to invite you to do a thing. Sky's coming up here, Donna's up here. We're going we're gonna to sing a song together. It's a song about dancing. Um, it, it, it's called Lord of the Dance. Um, so, if you've got one, you can grab a hymnal. It's, it's 261, but we'll also have the words up here on the screen. So, let's sing. How many of you are following this leader? I know I am. It's kind of easy, right? Dancing at creation with the moon and the stars. That's fun. Heaven and earth and, and babies being born. I love babies. I dance that baby dance every year at Christmas. Let's keep singing. dancing? Yeah, sure, why not, right? You know what they say, fishermen have more fun. And I'd follow anyone other than a stuffy old out-for-themselves scribe or a Pharisee. I mean, I can't even picture a scribe or a Pharisee dancing. Like, they might tap their toe every now and again, but that would be totally offbeat. I can picture it, right? Let's keep dancing. Thank you. 
it's getting weird. <laughs> now it's, it's, it's getting different. Like dancing on the Sabbath? I'm sure there are laws against this, right? I mean, I'm no Kevin Bacon. I'm not dancing if there's a law that said don't dance. I don't know if I can dance that dance. And now whips are part of the dance? I mean, unless it's Devo, I am not <laughs> dancing to this song. It's too different. This makes Colin Winter look like Michael Jackson dancing this dance. And here's Jesus still dancing. The question is if we're following. is still dancing. But are we still dancing when the world gets hard, when the dance gets awkward? The disciples weren't. They stopped dancing. Jesus was still leading, but was anyone following? It's fun to dance when the world has begun. It's fun to dance when babies are born. It's fun to dance when people are being healed. It, it's normal. It's what we do. But we don't dance our way onto the cross. We don't dance when our leader is dead. That's too different. That's when the dance dies out. Or at least that's when Jesus' followers die out. It's far more fun to dance when we're on top. But Jesus is asking us to dance our way down. Jesus' dance is leading us to the bottom. And so often we stop dancing well before we get there. Like the disciples, we bail before the song is over. If you've got a hymnal, we're not going to sing it. But I want you to look at verse 5. It's up here too. They cut me down. I leapt up high. I am the life that'll never, never die. I live in you, and if you'll live in me, I am the Lord of the dance, said he. That's beautiful. That's the gospel. That's the dance that never stops. That's the eternal dance marathon in heaven where we're all singing and dancing around the throne. But if we stop dancing when it gets hard, if we stop dancing when Jesus dancing is up to the cross, if we bail before the cross, if we bail when things get hard and awkward, if we leave Jesus out there dancing by himself because it's too different, it's too hard, or, or we've left him so that we can go dance with Caesar, Caesar or Angela or Winston or, or Malala, power dancers. Or if we just stop dancing altogether, we never get to Sunday. We never get to resurrection. We never get to the eternal dance marathon in heaven, and neither does anyone around us. If we've stopped dancing 
We've stopped leading people to Christ. And as leaders ourselves, isn't that what we're called to do? That's why Jesus reminds the disciples again and again that following him and leading others to him means being last. Serving others and not ourselves. Being willing to look different. Did you all notice something in this dance, by the way? You know, it, it, it started with Colin, and then it started with dancer number two, the first follower, right? But by the end of it, did you see Colin or the first follower anymore? No. It wasn't about them anymore. It was about the community dancing. They danced themselves out of the picture so that others could rise up and dance too. Here's how Derek Sivers put it in his TED Talk. Sure, he was talking about Colin Winter's dance, but I think he might as well have been talking about Jesus, the Lord of the dance. He said the biggest lesson, if you noticed, did you catch it? Is that leadership is over-glorified. Yes, it was the shirtless guy who was first, and he'll get the credit, but it was really the first follower that turned this lone nut into a leader. So even though the world tells us we should all be leaders, that would be really ineffective. If you really care about starting a movement, have the courage to follow and show others how to follow. And when you find a lone nut doing something great, have the guts to be the first one to stand up and join in. When everyone else is running the other way, run to the cross. Dance to the cross. Even when things get crazy, even when things get hard, even when things get way too different. Amen? Amen. You know, we're taught to put ourselves first. It's what the world teaches us to do. You know, as a people, we are selfish, self-serving, self-promoting. I'm selfish. I'm self-serving. I'm self-promoting. Heck, I might as well be dancing with myself. And so I need today, and I need you. I'm not going to dance around the tough stuff. Not today, though I'm really good at it. Not anymore. And so I need to confess. I need to refocus myself on the life that Jesus calls us all to. The dance that Jesus calls us all to dance. And I can think of, of, of no better words, really, to bring me back to where I'm supposed to be than the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. And so we're going to use that for our confession this week. And I want to, I can't dance alone. So I want to invite you to dance with me. And, I, and I'm going to give you a warning. These words are hard. They call us to be different. So let's pray together. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is error, truth. Where there is doubt, faith, where there is despair, hope, 
Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. And amen.